0: The crop, and there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. Finally, the rock has come back. This is where the big boys play, huh? Austin 316 says, "I just whipped your ass." I am the best wrestler in the world. I'm the louder kid. Make yourself famous. These two are kicking each other's ass. Oh my God! What the heck? (laughs) I can't believe what I just saw. I'm better than you, and you know it. The devils
1: settled. Your AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Rick Baker.
0: August 20th, 2021. I'm back. It's showtime, folks.
2: Hello and welcome to the WrestleBass podcast. My name's Mr Cardiff. Cardiff. <laughs> I can't really shout because my kids are sleeping upstairs. Um, and I'm joined as always by that little bastard Andre Wakefield. You want to be Big
3: Daddy Dave?
2: That might be a better one. Or yeah, you could be Big Daddy Andre or something. Maybe it might be better Big than Daddy no. Swoggle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to be covering uh, Armageddon, uh, two thousand and seven, uh, this week from our uh, our uh, uh, recent poll we did um, from December sixteenth, two thousand and seven, to be exact. How you doing, it's man? This pay
3: per view that I suggested, so you already know it's going to suck. <laughs> uh,
2: there's some gold on this. I think there is. There is. <laughs> I'll just
3: I'll just say this right now. This is by far the best one that I've suggested so far.
2: Oh wow. That's I mean that's that's I think you shoot yourself. Not saying yeah, I think you're shooting yourself a bit short there. I think it's I think it's it's okay and you've had some good ones in the past, so it's not as bad as, as some of them. Um but yeah this is sort of following up on last week where we had uh, No Mercy two thousand and two sort of uh rehash because I was really not well last week. Um and uh, hopefully everyone got a kick out of that. So this is a week delayed but just means that you get an extra podcast within two weeks. Uh, yep. and hopefully everyone enjoyed that episode i thought it was really good i had a lot of fun re-editing that one and and re-listening to like the fun we had back uh back in the day did you get listening yeah. to it yourself
3: yeah i did it, it's always honestly so much fun like i mentioned before i hate listening to myself talk but these old podcasts are just they're so entertaining because it's not just because it's us but because we actually i feel like have pretty good chemistry especially with andy and my memory is so bad about certain things. I don't remember anything from these old podcasts, so it's like really fresh listening to them.
2: Well, listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't do as much uh, before and after research for this one as I did for like No Mercy because obviously the big angle coming out in and over, or going into No Mercy was the Katie Vick storyline and. Uh, there wasn't as anything uh, dramatic going into Armageddon two thousand and seven, which is kind of a good thing, I guess. But it definitely yeah. felt a bit less. It was a bit of a deflation, I think, watching this show uh, compared to No Mercy. But uh, there's some good on it though. There is definitely some good on it. So um, yeah, I mean, just quickly, how you doing, man? You, you keeping well and uh, all good very good it's
3: uh holiday christmas season it's also my birthday season yes Uh, actually this armageddon show took place on my 17th birthday so that's wow there you go yeah it's uh
2: what is it now uh december 16th that's right it's yeah gosh like it's almost to the day it's about 10 years it's 10 years is it what's the the, the, i thought i had it written down 2007 3 13 years 14, Fourteen years. Uh, Fourteen, 14 years? years. Yeah. Holy shit. Time flies. Yeah,
3: hard to believe. Yeah, I was looking at the video games and everything that came out around that time. I'm like, dang.
2: Uh, it's crazy. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was uh, working for GameStop in the uh, in, in I think Belfast possibly at the time. Uh, I think I think this is in and around the same time the uh, the Impact video game came out. I think. Oh, that's right. I've rented that game. It's actually yeah, I, I not really that enjoyed bad. It. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was uh, busy managing a store for GameStop in Belfast at the time, I think, anyway. Um, so there you go. Bit of a... I had
3: my first job. It was McDonald's.
2: There you go. Yeah, classic <laughs> yeah. staple
3: of uh, first jobs, I guess. I also um, had my first girlfriend that time, who I'm still really good friends with. So, Oh,
2: well, that's nice.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but this... she's not my
2: girlfriend anymore. Okay, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> screw her. Oh, well. Um, her loss nice nah, she's, she's she's cool she's doing
3: <laughs> fine she's she's a doctor so I'm oh proud wow of her.
2: oh my word yeah, yeah good job um, yeah I mean uh, over here in Northern Ireland, it's doing good too uh, still tackling that floor uh, I don't want to bang on about the floor t- uh, too much just because it's it's tough um, but it's still there and it's still getting worked on um, so I guess we'll, we'll get stuck into it because uh, when I was editing the the no mercy review man these old shows were really long, um, yeah, I had to trim quite a bit off of it, but I think I managed to do it without actually cutting any content. It was just like a lot of audio uh, like vid- uh, music and and some stuff that had to get taken out unfortunately, but um we we got there, but we'll get stuck yeah. straight in and we 'll go back in time to two thousand and seven and reminisce about what was popular in the uh, charts under our movies games, and audio. Hey. In the UK charts, the official UK charts, we had at number one, uh, Leona Lewis with Bleeding Love. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I do actually remember this one. Leona Lewis pretty, was pretty big at the time. Um, we had Heartbroken yeah, by uh, T2 featuring Jody Aisha or Asha. I have no idea. Not sure about that one. No, not a clue. Maybe splice it in. If it's shit, we won't bother. Uh, as is the rules. Uh, number three, we had Girls Allowed with Call the Shots. Probably not one you're familiar with. Nope. Generic English girl pop band is pretty much the way to look at it. Uh, Number four was Timberland uh, plus One Republic republic, I think with Apologize. I'm not too sure. Uh, Okay. I like that song. That's a good song. We had another UK pop band Take That at number five with Rule the World. Which is when they had sort of, uh, for those UK listeners, take that, had come back after a sort of good few years of uh, on a hiatus and uh, they'd blessed us again with their wonderful, uh, wonderful ballads, shall we say. Uh, n- number six was Alicia Keys with No One. Number seven was Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse with Valerie, which is a great uh, track off a great album. Mark Ronson's first album is just tremendous. Uh, Mariah Carey. No, this is the Christmas song. Yeah, like what? What did you think this was going to be? And Mariah Carey once again with "All I Want for Christmas Is You." I Had Shane Ward, which I think is off of uh, Boyzone, which is an Irish pop band. Uh, I think he was sort of with Breathless, and then we had Soldier Boy. Tell him, oh, crack that. Uh, I am not familiar with Soldier Boy. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, well, you're very lucky. So okay. Fair enough. (laughs) What about the uh, US charts? How how did you guys fare? I'm going to go in reverse
3: order just to to make it interesting and build up that suspense. Uh, Number 10 is Paralyzer by Finger11, which really surprised me. Uh, Shout out to Kane because they did his (laughs) theme song, which I love. But other than Kane's theme song, I never really heard Finger11 in the mainstream. So I'm really surprised to see them at
2: number 10. I had, a, um, I had a girlfriend, I think, that listened to Finger Eleven back in the day, and I never heard of them And she said I'm a big fan of Finger Eleven. so uh, They're a pretty
3: good band, I think. They're, I mean, they're not my favorite, but they have some good songs. Okay. Uh, so, number nine, we have Hate That I Love You by Rihanna and Neo. Number eight is Crank That by Soldier Boy, which uh,
1: gonna, I really don't
2: like Soldier Boy. We're going to have to spice this, because I haven't heard it, so I'll just do a... E. Uh, Soulja Boy!
0: that mean that 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 me me Superman that
3: that If you were from America, I would pretty much bet you money that you've heard it, but I'm I'm not really sure how hip hop in Ireland, how what the state of hip hop was in Ireland in 2007. So maybe you have not heard it. <laughs> number seven is "A Good Life" by Kanye West and T Pain, which is a great song, I think. Whoa. Uh, number six is "Clumsy" by Fergie. Number five, "Bubbly" by Colby Kylot. I don't know what is that, that is. <laughs> I don't I have no
2: idea. Wow. Okay.
3: <laughs> number four is oh god, I accidentally clicked something. Number four is. Low by Flo Rida and T-Pain. Oh, which... WWE's
2: favorite artist?
3: <laughs> yeah, their favorite band is Limp Bizkit. Their favorite rapper is Flowrider. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> number three is Apologize by Timbaland and One Republic, which we've mentioned. Uh, number two, Kiss Kiss by Chris Brown and, once again, T-Pain. He was in a lot of features oh, back, okay, back then. Yeah. And number one is No One by Alicia Keys, oh, which goes. I think is a great song.
2: Yeah, wow, that's kind of cool. Completely different yeah, so number well, one. I thought Leon Lewis might be in your one as well, but...
3: Yeah, and I'm surprised the Christmas song is not on there, on here
2: by Mariah Carey. I think it just shows that uh, people in the UK just have like a real love for like soppy... Poppy sort of stuff, a little bit more hardcore in America with some uh, some rap and stuff. Uh, yeah, we have a lo- we have a lot more rap over here. So yeah, that's kind yeah.
3: Of cool. it, once again, very different uh, charts.
2: Yeah, that's which awesome. is
3: always interesting. Cool. I will
2: right, well, we'll swiftly move over to video games. Uh, I've gone slightly different this time, man. I thought that like it would be kind of interesting to see what was like the, I guess the best performing game of that year okay. uh, and and sort of. I guess I'll start at number 10. I'll do what you've done. Uh, I, sh- I really should have. I really should build up a bit of suspense with these things, I guess, because uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and we're going to go by Metacritic scores. Uh, I know okay. Metacritic's such a reliable source to get your uh, your scores from, but uh, it was still somewhat reputable at the time. So number 10 was The Elder Scrolls Oblivion on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, which with a score of 93. Yeah. Uh, God of War 2. PlayStation 2, and just to, just to again, say this is like across the year, so uh, Oblivion came out on March 20th of 2007. God of War 2, March 13th, 2007, it also got a 93 score. Uh, Halo 3 uh, came out on September 25th, and it was at number 8 with a score of 94, which is a great game, one of my favorite Halo I games. I actually recently replayed
3: it, uh, maybe like three weeks ago. It still holds up very well very short but that's okay it's
2: like a popcorn game you just go on and play and
3: in and out <laughs>
2: yeah i think so i'm kind of looking forward to sort of at some stage picking up halo infinite which just came out but uh, yep we'll i see. got
3: it but i haven't played it
2: yet Ah, okay yeah it's not one that's on my immediate must play list i'm, I'm still in the, th- the thralls of enjoying battlefield 2042 Number seven and number six was Call of, Duty Mo- Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare with a score of 94. I definitely think it's the best Call of Duty game. Uh, I haven't really played too many of them since because they all sort of followed that pattern of just once they struck gold, they were just like, let's just stick to that formula because it worked so well. Hard to blame them, but it was a tremendous game with a sniper mission and all sorts of stuff in it. A
3: couple of years ago, I replayed all of them starting from Call of Duty 2 up until World War II. So, um, okay. yeah, definitely Call of Duty 4 is w- definitely one of the best ones.
2: And a tie into the this sure. show, because uh, it's the sponsor for Armageddon 2007 oh, yeah, as well. Right. And that came out on November f- 5th, 2007. Mm-hmm. Number 5 is one of my all-time f- favorite FPS games, uh, with a score of 96. August t- 21st it came out, Bioshock on the PC. Okay. Uh, absolute, absolutely love that game. One of my top, like I'd say, Top five slash top ten games of all time. Uh, number four and number three were both the Orange Box with a score of ninety six on Metacritic. October tenth, that came out. Uh, Orange Box was a combination of Half Life two of, with all of the you know the expansions, Portal, and then Team Fortress uh, two, I think as well, or possibly. Well, I'm not uh, sure. Team
3: Fortress two, yes.
2: Which was really good. It was, I mean i remember it coming out uh, primarily because i worked in gamestop at the time and just being like this is like the best value game you could probably ever buy just because of the difference between all of the games on it so that was like the first ever hd collection remaster type of thing it was yeah it was because it had been released years before on uh, on the pc number two yeah. is bioshock again but this one's for the xbox 360 the Previous one was on PC, so obviously more people probably played it on, on Xbox and reviewed it. Score of 96. Yeah. Tremendous on the Xbox 360. And then number one, with a score of 97. Super November, Mario. Yes, you're correct. No, Is it? Super oh, Mario <laughs> Galaxy. Yes, man, <laughs> on the Wii, uh, which was still doing gangbuster numbers uh, at, at the yeah. time. Uh, I worked the midnight release of the Wii, Nintendo Wii. and uh, Oh, really? Yeah yeah they are as horrendous as as people sort of you know when you see those clips on the news of people just going ape shit for for consoles it's kind mm. of horrible <laughs> and all of the g- the degenerates turned out to basically get their video game consoles at midnight nobody in their right mind should do that but um that was fun like there was a couple of kids that turned up with their dads and stuff and that was nice to see them getting the, getting their consoles and stuff but somebody did try and cheat and, and we were only allowed to give out one console per person, and mm. uh, this guy uh, managed to basically just drag somebody out of a bar and ended up just... Oh, really? Yeah. Got this guy to queue up with him, and this guy... He <laughs> didn't have any friends or family he could have brought? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the crack was. He just turned... He, he was he was in the queue. He was in the first in, in the queue, and there was a guy behind him, and... Buys the Wii, and then the guy behind him buys the Wii, and then just hands the Wii to this fella and says, Right, see you later. And he'd made like a tenner off the guy, or like 20 quid off the guy. And it was like, Oh man, that's. And, you know, there was, there was like a kid at the end of the line who ended up not getting one, or like it was something real, real scummy. So, yeah, I, I stand by my my uh, estimation of that the, the, the degenerates turn out for that sort of thing. Moving over to movies uh, for December 2007. Again, just going to do top ten real quick. Starting off at number okay. ten, P.S. I Love You, uh, which grossed fifty three million. I can't remember it, but it sounds like a soppy love film. Do uh, you was at number nine, which is a great movie with uh, Michael Cera, I think. Um, yeah, and Elliot Page, uh, I believe now. Yeah, uh, what,
3: what was her name before?
2: Or I, I'm sorry, uh,
3: his name before.
2: I can't remember. Um I forgot, but... I forgot Ellen. I think it was Ellen. Ellen. yes, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Elliot Page yeah. Number eight mm-hmm. was Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, a shite film uh with <laughs> movie box office forty one million, almost forty two million. Sweeney Todd with Demon th- the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Uh Alien vs. Predator Requiem was the very first R
3: rated movie that I saw by myself. So that, that's always like a Poor you. Um
2: Huh? <laughs> 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 poor you. Oh yeah, not a, not a good start, but no. like
3: it's still a milestone, a, a noteworthy milestone for me. Oh, fair enough,
2: fair enough. I'm a big fan of Aliens and uh, Predator, but just not the movies. Not well, not the Alien vs Predator movies. The Alien movies to 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 a point are, are fine. Well, uh, oh, Requiem is so dark you can't even see any. You can't even see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies I wish I'd never sat for and watched, but uh, there I did. Uh, number seven, Sweeney Todd. Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Number six, which I don't remember. Uh, number five was Enchanted, uh, which had a box office of 127 million. Number four was The Golden Compass, uh, which had a total box office. I, sh- I say that, the to- that this is the totals I'm giving you. So they're, they're, they've got high high grossing weekends, but then they maybe drop off. And this one is definitely below Enchanted because it only got 70 million. Uh, National Treasure: Book of Secrets is number three with a, with two hundred nineteen million. Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks was number two with two hundred seventeen million, and then number one. What do you think the number one movie of two thousand or at least December two thousand and seven was? I am Legend. Correct. December fourteenth. Are you cheating? <laughs> No,
3: it's number one in the American charts too. Okay, yeah. Well, this is this is technically
2: yeah. This is I think this is just global. I'm not too sure. This is on oh, okay. Mojo.com. But there you go. So uh, that is our that's our uh, our up of the of the of what was popular nostalgia at the time. trip. Absolutely, yeah, some good stuff in there, some great video games anyway for 2007, an absolute winner. Moving over to our uh, our show, uh, December 16th, Sunday, December 16th, 2007, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Raw and Smackdown and ECW, because ECW is still going at that stage, the rebranded, uh, horrendous, bastard child of Vince McMahon version of ECW. I wonder uh, if Britt Baker was in attendance, because she would have been 17 at this time. Wow, okay, yeah. Possibly. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maybe one day when we get famous,
3: we can interview her and ask her.
2: <laughs> Were you... Yeah. Did you ever attend Armageddon 2007? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, dude. I don't know if anyone's ever thought about Armageddon 2007, <laughs> apart from us in the past, like, 14 years. <laughs> I agree. It's... um. It it feels like a raw or a smackdown, like of today's standards. There's just a lot of not much happening on this one. But spoiler alert, yeah. folks, we'll get, folks, we'll get to. Um, this is from the Melon Arena, which looks like half of a melon. Um, not a very original um name, but it was this. It, it's now called the Civic Center or Civic Arena mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. This is also the site of king of the ring 1998 which we have previously covered as well oh yeah world. that's right um and they've, they've in total they had uh six total wwf wwe pay-per-views starting way back in SummerSlam 1995 king of the ring 98 unforgiven 2001 no way out 2005 armageddon obviously we're covering tonight and then bragging rights in 2009 and i don't think they've been back since so there you go some good ones in there,
3: some not so good.
2: Yes, yeah. So we move towards the uh, the, the the latter half of the uh, sort of two thousand, the early stages of the year two thousand towards twenty ten. It sort of dips off a little bit. Uh, twelve thousand with twelve thousand five hundred people in attendance, uh, with a uh, total revenue gate of six hundred and seventy five thousand. So they were still doing gangbuster money on the, the, the box office there. And they had two hundred and thirty-seven thousand pay-per-view buys, which was down from the two thousand and six the previous year uh, Armageddon. And then it was—I've uh, got a note here actually—it says fourteen years to the day of the pay-per-view, nearly. So yeah, your birthday yeah. celebrates the uh, the wonderful gift that the WWE gave to us of uh, Armageddon.
0: It is. Forces will collide. It is the end of days. Here's the cover. What the hell? From things stolen and destroyed, we will battle for restitution demolish each other, all will be sacrificed in the name of one thing, the World Heavyweight Championship.
2: we start our show with uh, an intro package. They haven't done away with these yet, which is great. I always do love these intro packages, so we will be splicing that in at some stage. Uh, Yeah, and the intro
3: package is very relevant to 2021 I feel like. Because it's talking about the end of days and (laughs) there's a virus and somebody has to save us. And I wrote can Chris Jericho save us again in 2021? And then I said probably not because he's part of the problem being a Anti-virus, (laughs) Anti-virus, anti-vaxxer, uh, <laughs> donating money to Trump. His wife was at the insurrection on January 6th, and yeah, Chris Jericho's not going to save us in 21, but he might save us in 2007. We'll see. Spoiler alert,
2: he doesn't, but...
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: ruined it. He... Uh... He's definitely gone down in my estimation. You're just quite right. I don't think people, enough people give Chris Jericho shit in 2021 for being a Trump supporter um, and donating to that scumbag. But um, you know, he's uh, he's a different man now. He's uh, certainly uh, not the same guy he was in 2007. Uh, yeah. But you're right. The the, the package was. Uh, I don't know if they in, if they were inspired by. Uh, call of duty because it feels very sort of tied into the call of duty theme or if they just went with a generic sort of armageddon 2007 which kind of seems a bit daft to be doing the sort of end of days once a year um especially moving into christmas it's kind of a, a daft name for a bit review but uh yeah darkness has dominated was the i think one of the one of the taglines from this uh and it features uh, this package, this intro package, Randy Orton, Chris, Chris Jericho, with Chris Jericho returning after two years, uh, two-year two year hiatus from the WWE. Um, Taker, and Batista, and Edge are shown, and uh, we get the wonderful deep movie voiceover guy doing the whole gravelly mm-hmm. stuff, which is great. So, overall, pretty good. Uh, and yeah. as I said it previously, COD 4, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare presents this show, which is kind of awesome, seeing a... Uh, uh, I sort of felt that like maybe the WWE... They probably wouldn't sponsor the WWE today, I don't think. I don't think you would get... Because I think Call of Duty's moved past the sort of relevance of like the WWE. I think they've sort of exceeded in popularity compared to WWE now.
3: Yeah, probably. Yeah,
2: I would say so. I don't even know who sponsors WWE these days. Besides uh, the Saudi Prince... <laughs> and KFC and their honey mustard barbecue sweet oh, yeah, sour right. bucket of filth. Yeah. Uh there's a million fireworks go off as this show starts, oh, yeah. which was kind of impressive. I, I, I do and, miss and, the fireworks.
3: Uh, this kind of inspired the whole like rate the stage segment that we were talking about earlier, but like I really like this stage, the all the destroyed buildings and everything.
2: Thought it yeah. was pretty cool we will get more and more on that later we'll save that well, i think we'll save it to the end we'll save all of the okay. stuff to the end um but yeah I, I agree i thought the stage first impression was wow this is great why don't they do this anymore uh budget they're cheap masters <laughs> yeah budget they've got to fire people um
3: yeah, they'd have to release, like, five five wrestlers just for oh, one this stage. stage.
2: <laughs> this, this stage would at least cost the, the money of Cesaro's uh, paycheck, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe one day they'll get there. Um, yeah, so a million fireworks go off. Uh, Michael Cole welcomes us to Pittsburgh. Justin Roberts introduces our first match for the WWE US Championship, and it's MVP out first uh, versus Rey Mysterio. MVP being the champion, that is. Uh, Rey is, like, super over in this one. I noticed at the start, like, he's... Um, Goes down to the ring. He's like putting his head against all of the young fans, which is like it's so nice to see. Like Ray really cared about his fan base and still does to this day. Uh, and this is his third appearance on the podcast.
3: Yeah, yeah. I wrote he gets Cody Rhodes levels of pyro here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they would not be doing that for Ray Mysterio anymore. Like uh <laughs> uh, JBL is on commentary with Cole, and there's three sets of commentators we've we've got. Uh, jbl and cole we've got jim ross and jerry lawler and then we've got joey styles and taz for the acw uh segment as well i really don't
3: don't like jbl on commentary
2: i was really disappointed when i heard his voice (laughs) oh yeah yeah more more on jbl later uh mvp gets thrown to the outside but ref jimmy courier stops ray from capitalizing for some reason it's It doesn't really make any sense. He just sort of stops him. You can't do that, Ray. It's like why? They said
3: it's because MVP was touching the rope. And I've never heard of that before or since. And I just thought it was so stupid. He was just literally outside of the ring standing and just his arm was stretched out
2: touching the rope. It it sounded like bollocks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh but Ray dives over Jimmy with a corkscrew plancher, which looked great. MVP grinds the match down with chin locks and holds uh i've never really been a fan of mvp uh his his moves and stuff and his sort of in-ring sort of mvp you know persona his name at the time was montel von porter uh i believe but um ray sells a knee to the face like a gunshot (laughs) he was doing some selling for this lad so I did appreciate Ray at least Uh, there's a gorilla press slam by uh, MVP but Ray lands on his feet, there's a snap Hurricane Rana by Ray, beautiful springboard by Ray into a crossbody Ray almost slips on the rope but hits a seated centon and with MVP on the top rope, Ray hits a springboard Hurricane Rana, MVP hits multiple lariats which look nice and then he dodges the six one nine. There's a hurricane runner to MVP on the outside. So this is like the match. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this somewhere. But this is like the match of like a, a thousand hurricane runners by Rey Mysterio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then MVP throws the match by not getting into the ring and gets counted out at ten. And then post match we get a six one nine by Rey Mysterio to try and keep the crowd happy, but. Uh, Boy, this was... uh, I've just got one note here. It says, bollocks finish. Two stars for Rey Mysterio. This match lasted 11 minutes and 29 seconds before we got this bullshit finish.
3: There was another incident where the ref just... There were like two or three incidents where the ref would not let Rey attack MVP outside of the ring. Mm -hmm. Even when he wasn't touching the rope. And I was just so confused because the ref was clearly playing favorites in this. And yeah, this match... During the match, I was like, okay, this is very average. This is like a SmackDown match. But then with that bullshit finish, uh, the first match of the night, title match, U.S. Championship, and you get a count out. It's it's a two for me. Two stars out of however many we're doing. Five. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, two out of five.
3: I mean, it's two out of five. It's two out of
2: ten. It's it's t- it's just two. It's just two. It is. It, it really disappointed me. I agree with everything you said there. It's just such a shit way to start a pay per view. You don't want to be starting a pay per view by doing a DQ. That's just never a good idea. And this certainly what deflated by the end of it.
3: Yeah, this is what happens with WWE, and I realize they do this to this day, probably even more so now. But like, they'll book a match. They don't want the champion to lose, but they also don't want the other guy to lose. So they come up with this crap, and they think they're making, they're protecting both guys. But to me, they both look like losers, and it yeah. just doesn't do favors for either guy. I'd rather have them have a nice competitive match, and then just have Ray being close to winning, and then have MVP like pull out a finisher out of nowhere or something and beat him fair and square. But they both look strong that way, but. WWE doesn't ought to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of thought that, like you know, the way it was going was that MVP was going to cheat at the end. So like Jimmy was st- trying to stop Ray from breaking the rules, and Ray was obviously abiding by the rules to a degree. But then maybe at the end, you know, the the ref doesn't see like MVP clock him in the head with something. But we didn't even get that. It was just a DQ. So it was, it was really shit. I I really didn't like that um, that match. And as I say. This is one of the the sort of uh, longer matches on this card. A lot of them are quite sort of quick and short. Uh, and at eleven minutes twenty nine seconds to wait for DQ is kind of bollocks. There you go. First match down. Uh, we move on. Jr and King are shown on commentary next, and they run through the Jeff Hardy Triple H match coming on coming up, uh, which is basically just uh, I guess the uh, sort of ascension once again of Jeff Hardy. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, I believe previously with. Uh, jeff hardy getting the match against the undertaker doing really really well was about to sort of you know hit that pinnacle of maybe going for the wwf or wwe championship but never quite got there this is them sort of resetting it i believe he came in either at the start of the year or at the end of the last year uh back from his sort of tna hiatus uh when he got Yeah, him, fired. him and matt, Har- matt hardy they came i think i remember
3: this segment edge was feuding with matt hardy and then like I don't know where Jeff Hardy just came out and confronted Edge. Mm. And yes. yeah, then I don't remember what happened after that. But yeah, it was and around <laughs> within a year that Jeff Hardy came back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I was a big fan of of Jeff um on the lead up to this because uh, I was watching TNA quite religiously at the time and uh he was doing really really well in TNA. Uh initially when he came into TNA in like 2003, he was getting booed. a lot of the crowd because like nobody wanted to see Jeff Hardy they didn't want WWE wrestlers in TNA because TNA had this kind of young like vibe about it and Jeff was young at the time but like it felt like he was an invader and he didn't belong and obviously he was going to get pushed to the moon because he's Jeff Hardy yeah. and TNA is a small business, a small company. But yeah, he got booed. I remember it like uh, he had a Monsters ball match and was getting booed until he started whipping out some insane swanton bombs across the stage and stuff. But maybe we'll get there one day because I have fun I, I remember
3: about. prior to that, like I didn't watch TNA, but I've kind of I've I've been watching this channel on YouTube. Maybe you've heard of it. It's Marky D One oh. Two uh, Three. I believe he's a British guy or maybe he's Australian. I can't remember, but um. Yeah, he's pretty he's a pretty funny guy, but uh he does a lot of TNA reviews especially from their beginning. And I remember him mentioning that like DLo Brown came in in like 2003 and he was <laughs> pushed to the world championship right away, so everyone, I don't know if he got good or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone was, was
2: everyone was TNA world champion at some stage, <laughs> I'm sure at this uh, sort of uh, period. <clears throat> but um last month we get shown on on Survivor series uh, Jeff Hardy and Triple H won a traditional sort of Survivor Series elimination match, which we haven't really covered in a long—I don't think ever—on this channel. Like a Survivor so, an no. elimination match, but it's sort of the team versus team thing. Uh, so it ended up being like a two v five scenario after Kane and Mysterio were eliminated, uh, and then they they go on to win it. Uh, and then it sort of became this sort of, well, now you're going to have a match and the best man will go on to sort of face whoever is the WWE champion, sh- champion after Armageddon. Uh, so we'll we get on to whoever wins that later on. We cut backstage to Intercontinental Champion Jeff Hardy, who cuts a <laughs> fairly grim promo and not in a good way. Uh <laughs> I've just got this one line written here. I can't do Jeff Hardy justice. I'm afraid I'm not going to try, but it just says. Actually, no, I will because his accent's so funny. At least I find it funny because it just doesn't suit his like persona with the whole yeah. sort of like neo goth thing he's got going on. But I cannot, will not believe in never. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> I to, to that means, well, You from North- did sound like him. I apologize to everyone from North Carolina. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good Southern accent, actually. <laughs> Jeff Hardy, like, I don't know about you, man, but like this dude can't he can't speak to save his life. Like he's never been able to cut a decent promo. I don't think I've ever heard anything come out of his mouth that I've believed, apart from that one time where he was like he was <laughs> he was uh, it was in TNA. and It was after his two thousand sort of nine stint, I guess, when he finished up again. And it was when you could hear his thoughts. I don't know if you've ever heard that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this this sort of rivals Hulk Hogan seeing Ultimate Warrior in a in a in a mirror in WCW, but like they cut backstage and like Jeff Hardy's like staring into space and then you can hear his thoughts. Like the audience can hear his thoughts. And he's like looking That's sort of weird. it's <laughs> it yeah, it 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 sucks as bad as 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 it sounds uh it really uh, grim. There, there is there is a moment of jeff hardy
3: where he was decent on the mic but he only said a couple words it was in the undertaker match the ladder match after undertaker basically destroyed him and went up the ramp jeff hardy grabbed the mic and he said taker i'm still standing <laughs> or something like that do you remember that i think so yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So that that was that was probably Jeff Hardy's best promo.
2: Yeah, and it's I mean what about his singing? I mean, are you a fan of um I Imagine or whatever the hell he calls um, it? I do he did
3: the hit, he did Matt Hardy's entrance theme in TNA, Jeff Hardy sang that song, and I do like it. I don't, I don't actually remember the name
2: of that. Of it, I, d- I I did stop watching. I think when Matt was in DNA when he came in with the dreadlocks and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll I'll maybe check that out. Uh, oh, I think it's called uh, Reptilian. That's what it's called, Reptilian. Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah I by like it. B- is it. Is it Proxy Proxy I J I M or something, the name of his band? I don't, I don't know. know. The song
3: is by Jeff Hardy's band. I'm pretty sure. Whatever it's called, it's by his band. Okay, all right. Maybe or you, you can we'll- just. You can just YouTube Matt Hardy Reptilian theme or
2: something. Okay. Well maybe we'll splice we've been in and we've talked about it quite a bit okay. there.
1: Right?
0: now is of course the intercontinental champion jeff hardy jeff tonight you square off against triple h a lot on the line the winner goes on to the royal rumble to square off for the wwe championship with that in mind would you consider tonight's match to be the biggest of your career Um, of course i would you know i've been in everything from ladder matches to tlc matches to money in the bank matches but you know what none of those compare to this match tonight this is the closest i've ever been to an opportunity at the wwe championship But to get this opportunity, I got to go through a guy that's an 11-time world champion. You know, I have all the respect in the world for Triple H. Whatever he thinks of me, I do not fear Triple H. You know what? I don't fear anybody. Tonight's the night, Todd. This is the crossroads of my career. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. It's time to step it up. It's time for me to move on, rock on to the next level. No matter what, man, it's now or never. And I do not, will not, and cannot believe in never.
2: So after he cuts this really bad line, there's like a really awkward pause. I don't know if you noticed this, where he sort of like looks to the left. I did notice that, yeah. (laughs) Nothing happens. And then it cuts back to right (laughs) inside. It just emphasizes the point that this dude couldn't talk. It was really weird, really bad editing. But uh, yeah, Kane's music plays, which saves the day. Joey Styles and Taz queue up the next match, which is Kane and CM Punk, who is the current ECW champion at the time, versus Mark Henry and Big Daddy V. Yeah, this is a... I didn't know that CM Punk and Kane... I didn't even know Kane was in the ECW rebrand, uh, so I was kind of surprised that, like, oh, he's in ECW? What? What's going on here? That uh,
3: ECW roster was just a bunch of rejects and jobbers, <laughs>
2: It was basically all of the toys that Vince McMahon didn't know what to do with, uh so yeah. he, he just chucked them in the ECW because he didn't understand them or had nothing for them, hence why we've got Kane in ECW. This is obviously Kane's bald, you know, and he removed his mask and he was the um see no evil, hear no evil version of Kane where of them the, the movie around there, but but he was a babyface.
3: uh in this match. Okay. So, I'm not sure where Sinnoh Evil comes. It, it's around there somewhere, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's when he first sort of lost the hair in the mask that he did that Probably, movie. yeah. Quick recap. Shows Punk getting beat up on ECW by the two behemoths, and then we get, uh, I guess, Kane coming out to save him, and I think that that's pretty much what... I think that's a rough summary, but that's how it sort of happens anyway. Uh, so, I there would, you go. I would so much rather see
3: just... CM Punk versus Kane. That would be so much better for the ECW championship.
2: Better match right there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But no, we got to get these two obese men that Vince loves. They need to get a push.
2: So here we are. (laughs) Yeah, this, there's a lot in this match didn't make sense. The first one, the first thing that didn't make sense was for some reason Punk locks up with Mark Henry to start the match, which didn't make a fucking shred of... <laughs> it didn't make a shred of sense. Uh, and, of course, he gets uh, dropped. Kane gets tagged in as Punk uses his speed to take advantage of Henry. Punk gets tagged back in after Kane cleans up, or at least mildly cleans up, because there isn't a lot of hot action in this match. Uh, Big Daddy versus... Uh, uh, Big Daddy V versus Punk and then I just have a note here that says oof I don't, I don't know I have a note that says <clears throat> Big Daddy V should never be shirtless on TV yeah it's that, that is not PG it's uh, <laughs> It's pretty grim uh, Mark and V beat, Punk, uh, beat down Punk the crowd are so, oh so quiet in this match uh, Kane gets tagged in, runs wild uh, for a bit and then things get slowed down, way down. Mark Henry.
3: I was, I was surprised to see Kane hit a drop kick, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, he—I think he had done. Is him, that something he did on the regular? I, I have a memory of him doing a drop kick. I don't know how often hmm. he would always do that top rope clothesline, which he doesn't. He did yeah. in this match, but oh man, Mark Henry bear hug to Kane, and the commentators do their best to sell it. I've never liked the bear hug spot unless it's by like a giant dude bear hugging a small dude and then you can sort of believe it but a big dude bear hugging another big dude doesn't do anything it's just come on like he's too big to bear hug you know
3: when brock lesnar did it to hogan and hogan started bleeding that was kind of that was a pretty good spot but yeah besides that bear hug is just a snooze
2: fest it is yeah uh taz says <laughs> taz says a couple of times that big daddy v is deceptively quick and then i have in brackets <laughs> what i didn't even catch that yeah, but that did. is not true he said <laughs> deceptively quick and then uh, in brackets i says <laughs> I've, I've got a note here. she says at eating or falling asleep question mark question mark
3: <laughs> if big daddy v was any slower he would just be standing still <laughs>
2: Yeah, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Unfortunately, but uh, yeah. yeah, he was not an an impressive in ring performer, shall we say. Uh, Punk not gets tagged in, uh, and they take control for a while. But Big Daddy V hits Punk with a Samoan drop after Punk dove off of the top rope at him, uh, and that finishes the match. He pins him. I, th- I thought it was quite nice. Like it was a really smooth like Samoan drop he hit that, him with. So I'll was give him a that very
3: nice Samoan drop. Yes, I, I actually my like my eyebrows went up.
2: Oh wow and that move happened oh, oh, I, was generous. Impressed. <laughs> I give it i give it one one and a quarter stars um i mean this is 10 minutes and 33 seconds of your life you're not getting back what do you think
3: Ah, oh, this was painful to watch <laughs> uh poor punk man stuck with the with all these guys uh I don't like kane being the underdog which is what he was in this match uh he's just as big as the other two guys he's just not as overweight so if you actually think about this realistically and logically in a real fight out of these four guys Kane would probably do the best because he's the best conditioned he's strong enough he's big enough WWE logic is if if you weigh a thousand pounds even if you can barely move then no one can stop you and in reality that's not how fights work <laughs> so yeah um. <laughs> like I said the Samoan Drop was very nice some decent moves by Punk and Kane. Uh like I said before, I wish there was a different match. I wish it was just Kane versus Punk or maybe East, I don't know. I don't know who else they had on that roster, but almost anyone would be better than Big Daddy V and Mark Henry. Uh I give it I'm going to give this match 1.5 and I was going to give it a 1 until that Samoan drop. That Samoan drop really bumped wow, it up. Wow, you're the breaking spot. your rule.
2: You never give a, a, a 0.5 or anything like that. That's kind of No, I don't give
3: I don't give quarters.
2: Yeah. Okay. All oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So This well, is just
3: 1.5, yeah.
2: Okay. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah, this is uh, this was grim. Uh, Cole and JBL are back and talk about the World Heavyweight Championship match coming up. And we cut backstage to Vicky Guerrero in a wheelchair and a neck brace. Now, like anyone who would watch this show, I tried to think as I was watching this, what on earth would people think when they get to certain parts in this thing? So obviously Big Daddy V and Mark Henry. It's maybe impressive looking. If you didn't know who Mark Henry and Big Daddy V are or Viscera, you might be like, whoa, look at the size of those two big dudes, you know. Um, I like the way, you, by the way, you just try to apply logic. To the WWE this t- this time <clears throat> by saying like Kane should be winning yeah it's it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of nonsensical stuff on this card coming up uh, but yeah we get w- <laughs> Vicky Guerrero and I mention try and just try and think about this from somebody just tuning in or never having seen WWE at the stage so we cut backstage to Vicky Guerrero in a wheelchair and a neck brace blowing up balloons. <laughs> Just let that sink in for anyone who has never, ever, ever seen this sort of time period in WWE. There's a lot of just ridiculousness getting sort of threaded in. And this is like, as I think as in the, the last time we spoke live past uh, No Mercy. Um, this is really the dark ages of uh, the, the WWE for me. So uh, this is uh, crazy. I do I do remember Vicky Guerrero and Edge being together as an item, but uh, she greets her lover Edge. And they talk about the dangers of the match. And Edge says that Vicky's love gives him the strength of three men. (laughs) And I don't know if you heard this. I burst out laughing at this. Vicky audibly gasps. Like it is perfect comedic timing. I was like going into this going, oh God, Vicky Guerrero and Edge. But he's like, your love gives me the strength of three men. And Vicky goes... Like, it's so good. She just she does this audible gasp in amazement and he says he needs a kiss, but kisses her on the hand.
1: Hi, sweetheart.
2: Hi. I'm balloon champion, this is all for me?
1: Oh, it's for your victory tonight.
0: I am so lucky to have you.
1: You know what? None of this can compare to what you're going to do for me tonight. I mean, after you become the world heavyweight champion, all of my pain and mental suffering will subside, even if it's just for one moment.
0: Baby, by the end of tonight, I'm gonna make you feel as good as you make me feel. I can do this, I will do this, and you wanna know why? Why? Because of your love. Your love, it gives me the strength of of three men. So wish me luck.
1: Be careful, sweetheart.
0: I need a kiss for good luck.
1: Absolutely.
2: I loved this backstage segment. I thought it was great.
3: <laughs> I always found the Vicky and Edge thing kind of weird, especially. I felt like... I almost felt like it was disrespectful to Eddie in a way, because it was so soon after his death. <laughs> mm. And they were they were just being so weird about it, but honestly like looking back at it now they really in this segment they made it work. Like you, you can tell that Edge is just using this woman for leverage for whatever it is that his goal is. Even the, like you said for those who haven't seen WWE prior to this, I think they even they would realize that he's using her for whatever it is.
2: Yeah. I th- I thought that, you know, back in the day I always just thought of her as annoying. But now looking back on segments like this, I'm like, wow, like she's actually really good. She's really talented and she's got a great sort of, when she's not sh- shouting that stupid uh, catchphrase that they liked her to do, you know, the excuse me thing. Like when she's yeah. doing actual segments, I think it really, really works. Uh, but we get yeah. immediately a big blast of Kennedy as uh, Mr. Kennedy uh his music plays, and Mr. Kennedy cuts a promo on Shawn Michaels with his drop-down mic, which I loved. I really enjoyed it. I actually saw these guys in Belfast <clears throat> Mr. Kennedy, um, he wasn't... This is the first uh, the first time I ever saw him was in Belfast. I'd never seen him on TV because I used to get free tickets to go and see like Raw and Smackdown and stuff as part of GameStop. They used to get just free tickets for like Dublin and Belfast. So they'd give anyone who worked up north the tickets and just go, who wants to go and see WWE? Here you go, free tickets because we had some kind of weird partnership with WWE. So I'd like go and see it. And this guy comes on the mic uh, and this is when like JBL was still wrestling. Um, and, and Kennedy came out. And he wasn't actually wrestling. He was injured at the time. And I just remember like him being really charismatic. And really awesome. And really liking him. And sort of got intrigued by what was happening in WWE. And then JBL came out. And immediately I forgot everything about Kennedy. Because JBL cut this amazing. Amazing heel promo. On the entire. like um, Crowd in Belfast. And he. Like, I'm sure like if you google online you'll find loads of really scathing like house show um like promos that he used to do but he would basically come out and insult the crowd and what he did in Belfast was he basically came out and said Nor- Northern Ireland you don't know what you are you only wish you were more British and which mm-hmm. is like not the place to be saying anything the crowd went, Ooh! <laughs> like yeah
3: he- they were I can, Im- I can imagine what he said because back then he was pretty hardcore with his racism or whatever because like when he was feeding with Eddie and some of those promos against Mexicans it's like oh my gosh that's harsh so yeah I I can imagine
2: what he said to you guys he got booed out of the building um, and then he ended up getting hit in the head I think he was fighting against Fit Finley uh, at the time because Finley obviously is from Belfast and uh, Finley's dad ended up hitting him in the head with a water bottle so it all worked out in the end Mm Mm-hmm. So he cuts a promo on Shawn Michaels, uh, and we immediately get our, our sort of Shawn Michaels uh, Kennedy match. And uh, I guess Kennedy's sort of argument is that Shawn is basically taking up a spot that the younger guys and people like him should be filling. Shawn Michaels is uh, over the hill, as he sort of puts it. I guess uh, you know, even though okay, yeah. uh, Shawn isn't that old, really, at the time.
3: I have it written down. I was like, so what's the story behind this match? Because I feel like in this show, they didn't really have any packages. They didn't really explain. They just kind of came out and had a match. And I I was like, well, one thing I noticed with these old pay-per-views is that when I don't know the context, it's a lot less interesting and a lot less impactful uh, when you don't know the storyline. And that's how I felt going into this match.
2: Yeah, they they should have maybe had like a promo. I think they could have built this match up because, you know, I'm going to say like spoiler alert, this is my match of the night. Um, okay. I think they could have done a better job of introducing it. I don't think Kennedy's promo really did enough because he didn't feel like a big enough heel in the match because he was getting beaten for a, lot, a large portion of the match. Um but they could have done with like a little bit of the sort of, you know, that the I guess it's raw I think they're part of leading up to this match, yep. but anyway. It's a great match. Spoiler alert. Uh, Sean's out looking a little bit better than we last saw him in 2002. Uh, Whether his well, uh, at least his pants were finished. The chocolate. designs on his pants. <laughs> his chocolate trousers or his brown trousers, as we call them. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, he's looking a lot. His hair was very long. Yeah, uh, he's he's completely ditched the uh, soccer mom haircut, and he's gone for the long, sort of traditional Sean Michaels hair. Looks great. Looks a like million dollars. Uh, yeah, nowadays, he's ditched everything. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Yeah, uh, Kennedy gets a lot of offense, and Michaels sells like Michaels are going to note here because Sean was doing a lot of bumping for this fellow which i'm kind of i'm happy to see because i don 't think it was too long after this or so before no it was definitely before this where we got Sean versus Hulk Hogan, and he was he'd had that infamous summerslam match where Sean michaels was selling um there's plenty of uh gifs and stuff online of Shawn Michaels selling like uh, Hulk Hogan's like shooting at him with like, a machine gun and bouncing all around the ring it's kind of hilarious I don't know if you've I seen that
3: Hogan one. and I think Hogan
2: and Michaels was in 2005 there you go so a couple of years before yeah. Hogan was long gone probably at this stage
3: yeah so was on so was his knees and back god jesus uh,
2: sean eventually Man, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm just
3: i'm just disrespectful today to everybody
2: oh, fuck Hulk Hogan. he's a horrible human being um <clears throat> sean eventually hits kennedy with an armbar takedown which kennedy kennedy uh, sells it like it's broken i thought kennedy's selling and this was yeah. really good too um, for a
3: second i thought they might have botched botched it a little bit so yeah, yeah I, it, it
2: was a really good sell. Like, it did legitimately look, look it looked like he, he got hurt. Although, he did do a couple of times where he oversold this, this, this sort of yell. He was like, ah, ah, Yeah. And it was kind of over the top. But it was good overall. Uh, Sean, did you
3: notice someone during this match in the crowd kept yelling, Kennedy!
2: Did you <laughs> notice that? I didn't, know. There didn't was some listen.
3: guy in the crowd, like, two or three times, he just yells, Kennedy! <laughs> and you could really, really hear it. Wow. I was wearing headphones this time, so... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I cut would... all
2: the details. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Sean capitalizes uh, Kennedy's uh, on Kennedy's injury by doing some nice mat wrestling, which I don't know if we ever really get to see from Shawn Michaels too often. I thought he did some lovely takedowns here. Uh, mm-hmm. Ken spears Michael through Michaels through the ropes. Sean stomps Ken's hand on the steps. And then in the ring, we get a bit of joint manipulation by Shawn Michaels, which I was really enjoying. Uh, so this is now the storyline of uh, the matches that Shawn Michaels is, uh, has injured Ken Kennedy. Uh, Michaels gets his back rammed into the ring post. And then JR never missing an opportunity to t- with the tale of Shawn's bad back. This is sort of like um, is it Matt Jackson in 2020, where at any stage... Um, Uh, Excalibur would be like oh of course Matt Jackson's got that bad back it's pretty much the same thing with Shawn Michaels obviously he'd retired years before him I don't notice him
3: saying that about Matt Jackson but I did notice
2: about Miro every time like every two minutes they
3: say oh he has a bad neck
2: yes Yeah, so
3: yes, something like that.
2: Yeah, Matt Matt Jackson, I think for years he he's used it for years to sort of tell a story that he's got a bad Mm. back. I don't actually know if he has a bad back, but Shawn Michaels obviously retired from you know potentially career uh, sort of threatening injury, so it's 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 a handy way of telling a story in a match when you've got a prior injury that you can sort of say, like ne- uh, Edge's neck in two, th- yeah. uh, 2021, they can tell an easy story by saying, oh, he's got that bad neck. Get it in there. So I do love JR telling these, these threading these stories of uh, previous injuries in. Uh, so as Kennedy has Sean in the corner of the ring sitting, Sean hits Ken's hand and he winces in pain away from... Uh, for sh- from Sean, but delivers a lovely boot uh, to Sean's face, sort of like washing the face that Samoa Joe used to do. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this; I thought it was great. Uh, there's a backbreaker by Ken into an abdominal 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 abdominal. I can't say that abdominal word. Stretch. Ad- abdominal stretch. Yeah. Abdominal. Abdominal. Abdominal stretch. There it is. Abdominal. What a winner! <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Sean tries to count, tries to counter a jumping nothing with a boot, but Ken, I do love this. Uh, we we do love our jumping nothings, but <laughs> but can counters by stomping, stopping, and elbow dropping Michaels as Sean tries uh, to roll away, which is a really lovely spot. Kennedy takes a huge back drop, back body drop to the outside. There's a flag for him by Michaels. Uh, the Crowd, I noticed there was somebody in the crowd booing, or at least quite a few people booing Shawn Michaels. Uh, I guess he's the guy
3: that kept yelling Kennedy.
2: (laughs) Possibly, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, Michaels is the franchise player. Ken Kennedy's still kind of new. We get a switch encounter uh, by Kennedy for a roll up near fall. Kennedy hits his rolling Green Bay or a Kenton bomb on Michaels, which is like a reverse Samoan drop with a roll through, which looks really nice. He used to do this off like the second rope, which is awesome looking. Uh, and Kennedy punches Michael Michaels in the face with his injured hand, sells it fiercely, and Michaels hits him with a beautiful super kick for the pin and win uh, in 15 minutes and 16 seconds. This finishing sequence where, like, Kennedy punches him and then Michaels just sort of, like, staggers back and then immediately hits him with the sweet chin music is just amazing. I give this a 3- 3.75 stars. I thought oh, it was wow. really... I thought it was really good. Like I thought the selling on both men was tremendous. I thought the match length was spot on. I thought that uh, the finish was tremendous. I thought that both men got a lot out of it. It propelled Kennedy a little bit further. Obviously, he wouldn't last too long in the WWE. But I thought it was really good. It really surprised me because I thought that I've I've definitely seen. Kennedy, the Kennedy version, not the Mr. Anderson that he would go on in TNA, but I've definitely seen Ken Kennedy wrestle before in WWE, and I was never, I think, blown away. But these two just gelled, and it was like really super sweet. They just found that sweet spot of just entertaining me enough and doing enough things that were outside of the normal, I guess, like match type that I was expecting at this time, because a lot of the matches were fairly generic or like fairly sort of by the numbers. But like we got so much out of Shawn Michaels in this, I was like amazed that he was doing little, ju- you know, joint manipulation, working over the hand, you know, the, the the um the the mat wrestling that he was doing. I was like, oh, what's going on here? It's kind of surprising. It's not typical Shawn Michaels. So overall, two thumbs up for me.
3: I felt a little bit different from you. I thought this match was very average. So I give it actually two and a half. Okay. Uh, and I don't really know. It it's not really a bad match, but it just didn't blow me away or didn't impress me in any way. I just maybe it's because, like I mentioned earlier, there I didn't know the storyline behind it. Maybe if I watched a couple the, the shows every week, couple months building up to this, maybe I would have felt more heat, like Bubba Ray Dudley would say. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, this match I love the super kick at the end, like you said. Uh but other than that, it was very Kind of mediocre, in my opinion. It didn't really do much for me. Uh, They did keep mentioning, for some reason, that this is their first ever matchup. And I had to do some research. Did HBK and Kennedy have a second ever matchup? And yes, they did. They had two more matches, and they both won one. So, at the end of the day, HBK wins 2-1 to in their series.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I did look that up as well, just to see how it sort of oh. ended. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I, I think that these two, they obviously saw something in themselves. I think, uh, you know, from the WWE perspective of just these two guys work really, well, really, really well together. Um, it seemed like they had a lot of fun in the, the match, and uh, they got on well. So, I thought it was good. But you're yeah, entitled it's to your that It's a shame that
3: Kennedy didn't
2: get far, because he really did have
3: potential. Absolutely, yeah, uh, I definitely he, he could have seen typical, him as. He did the typical go to TNA and crap all over WWE, and not do much after.
2: Yeah, he did, he, pulled, he pulled a Shane Douglas. I'm afraid to yeah. say. We get an advert, an awesome advert for the Royal Rumble uh, with superstars wrestling in a subway train, uh, which ends I with. That was cool. That was really cool. Um, yeah. Shawn Michaels ends up... Uh, Bruce Buffer comes on the screen. He does his, uh, let's get ready to... And then Shawn Michaels switch in, musics him in the face, which looked great. I was really... And then he does this real shit-eating grin at the end, which is great. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Todd Grisham's backstage with Randy Orton, who calls Chris Jericho a virus and promises to retain his WWE Championship. There you go. Next match, Jeff Hardy versus Triple H. The winner gets a title shot at uh Royal Rumble for the WWE Championship and we get this really surprising light chant of Triple H. Triple H I don't think I've ever heard anyone ever chanting for Triple H. Like I know lots of people like there's a lot of crowd noise when he comes out but I've never heard of a triple H chant. I don't know if you have.
3: Not that I recall, no. He's mostly been the heel as far as I know, so I don't know. Especially it's surprising to hear against Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy was very popular
2: at this time. He was indeed, yeah. Face, Triple H, Hunter, Slash Hunter, hot dogs and grandstands for the crowd. This is quite a lengthy intro for him, obviously. He's Triple H. Um, And we get a nice, clear understanding of the roles in this match, both from the two men uh, and JR. uh, As Triple H is strong, Jeff Hardy is quick. That's all you need to know about this match, pretty much. That's the story of it. Uh, Hunter Lariat's Jeff's soul from his body. (laughs) I have a note here. He he was not pulling his punches in this one. (laughs) No. Jeff slips on the barrier, just like in Survivor Series 2002. That's
3: what I wrote. Second show in a row where Jeff Hardy screws up the rail spot.
2: Yeah, it's quite a slow start. These these two work well together relatively, um, but it's a slow start. So I am skipping ahead slightly here. But uh, yeah, there's a spot where Jeff's running along the barrier and then just gives up. Hunter has to sort of stop for a second and then just close lines him. Oh, and that, uh, thud, that thud on the
3: ground was so was so loud
2: yeah, when Jeff Hardy fell. It's a big meaty slap. Uh, Hunter slaps the taste out of Jeff's mouse. M- mouse mouth. Uh, Jeff fights back with an atomic drop and double leg drop. The classic sort of Jeff Hardy leg drop that you do in the game all the time over and over and over again till yeah. you build up your meter. And wallpapers Hunter in return right in the face. Triple H throws Jeff out, first under the ropes and moments later off of the top turnbuckle. There's a nice crossbody by Jeff after a lot of back and forth between the lads. There's a whisper in the wind connected uh, connects by Jeff. The swanton misses. There's a sp- spine buster by Hunter, is classic one. Uh, Jeff gets a roll up and pins Hunter in a real surprise moment which I wasn't expecting. It just came out of the blue. Uh, I give this three stars. I thought it was really slow and cl- uh, clunky But, like, overall, really, really fun. It was quite long, though. It was 15 minutes and 23 seconds.
3: Ah, Once again, this match was pretty underwhelming. When I saw this on paper, I was actually really excited about it. Because on paper, it sounds good. Like, wow, peak Triple H. Well, maybe not peak Triple H. But Triple H versus peak Jeff Hardy? That sounds amazing. And they kind of under-delivered. They were sloppy in a lot of spots. Like, they weren't really in sync in some of the spots. So that brought it down for me. And once again, how to make your number one contender look credible? Have him win with a fruit roll-up. Make it look like a fluke because that's that builds credibility.
2: <laughs> yeah, like at this stage uh, in his life, Jeff Hardy is thirty years old. And they're doing the the sort of cheap finish of get a roll up, um, and after the match they even call attention to to the fact that it's a bit of a cheeky win because Triple H has got this massive shit eating grin on his face, uh, like he can't believe what happened, what happened, Stephanie, what happened, and I think uh, the King uh, Jerry Lawler is like. You know, he's just like, look at Triple H's face, he's laughing, he can't believe it, he's surprised, he's as surprised as we are that Jeff already got the win. Uh, Yeah, so, aren't you guys excited for the next
3: pay-per-view, where this fluke is going to be the no-one contender? He surely is not going to win, is he? It's just (laughs) WWE booking, man, it's just so frustrating, even back then. Uh, But yeah, I wrote that this is a decent match, I give this a
2: 3. Okay, we're on the same page then. Yeah. To the back! The great the Kali God himself. Oh boy. The the Great Kali in in quotation marks, double quotation marks here, the great Kali is speaking in Hindi while the crowd shout What in the background uh, My first note here is Kali's mate translates and says that Kali's going to destroy Finley and Hornswoggle. Uh, And then I have a note underneath that just says, this is Rajit Singh, uh, who I have no idea. I don't don't know who this is, but I can imagine that he would have had many people doing his speaking for him. Because uh, it's kind of insulting that, like, you know, I I totally get that they've got this big giant dude. He's Indian. They're going to want him to speak in Hindi. But, like, it's kind of insulting that, like... He's the foreigner, therefore he's the bad guy. He could be saying literally anything, and the card has no idea. But they're just so anti. I mean, we got a tribute for the troops advert on this thing. It's still there's a lot of. I won't say it's 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 not overt racism, but it's like it's it's subtle racism that this is the foreigner, therefore he's the bad guy. And Callie was getting this treatment right here. Uh, I I never liked the
3: the fans chanting what to foreign speakers because i don't know how it is in ireland but obviously america is made up of a bunch of immigrants Mm. and a lot of the white supremacists they like to tell people to speak english we speak english in this country you need to speak english and they like to make fun of people with accents and maybe when people use their native language amongst themselves and that just really like the whole what it's like what Speak English, you stupid Indian prick. You know, like, I don't, I don't like that attitude. No. And, and that's
2: kind of what I got out of this. I've never liked the WWE's take on foreigners. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get on to it in this next match uh, because of obviously Finley. Oh, he's from Ireland. Uh, therefore, he's he's going to get the Irish gimmick. Um, yeah. But, well, I, <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, I got to
3: shout out Grey Collie and whoever his Translator wise, because without them, there would be no Penta and Alex Abrahantes.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's maybe a stretch, but I mean, fair play to you. Okay. I, I do like Al- Alex Abrahantes. Yeah. Um, just before the match starts, Cole reminds us of Hornswoggle being Vince's son. And then that oh, immediately. Oh, they
3: already did that storyline, I guess?
2: Yeah, that, that brought back horrific memories of uh, of reading or hearing about that and being, I'm not watching that. Uh, I believe that was f- the answer to the uh, anonymous Raw GM, I believe. Hornswoggle was oh. the... Uh, and then I it I, I,
3: I remember this. I don't remember all the details, but there was an episode of Raw where Vince McMahon, he was basically kept getting made fun of by DX, I believe, and he was oh, just was very later, depressed. yeah. Yeah, and he got into his limo, and the limo blew up. Well, coincidentally, uh, six days later, the Chris Benoit tragedy happened. So obviously, they can't continue a storyline of a fake death when there was a real death. So Vince came back, and they basically had to scramble, make stuff up on the fly, and they said, well, you know, this was actually fake. In reality, Vince, you have an illegitimate son who was supposed to be Mr. Kennedy. Wow. Um, basically basically, the original storyline was who killed Vince McMahon which was supposed to be Mr. Kennedy but then they, they changed that into who is Mr. McMahon's son which was again supposed to be Mr. Kennedy but then he had like some drug violations or something or mm. I think Randy Orton and John <clears throat> Cena said something bad about him like he was too stiff or something mm. so Kennedy lost his push and that's when they had to replace him basically with Hornswoggle just for
2: shits and giggles, because he's small. He, he's yeah, because
3: I guess Vince thought it would be hilarious. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Vince has a history of uh, you know the, the the midget gimmick, as Vince I guess would yeah. call it. It's it's not nice. Um, yeah, Finley comes out. This is great, Cali versus Fit Finley. Uh, again. There's little to tell in terms of going into this match. It just seems to be Finley and, and Hornswoggle. Maybe Hornswoggle's getting picked on or something, and Finley intervenes. I'm not sure. I didn't really it's look too much, much into this. Is,
3: this is pretty much uh, Brett versus Sean 20, 2007 edition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm <Wow>. being sarcastic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, yeah fin- Finley's out, uh, and he comes out with his shillelagh and Hornswoggle. And Pyro. Uh, Even Finley got Pyro. Everybody yeah. got Pyro on this show. Yeah, like... <sighs> the Irish gimmick. Uh, the Irish gimmick is an insult because it, it's stereotypical. It, it's kind of... You know, people laugh when I say it's kind of racist, but it's like let's give him lots of um, sort of Gaelic uh, or Celtic symbols. Let's give them a shillelagh. Let's give them a, a sort of, you know, a, a green hat. Let's give them. You know, let's give him a midget and we'll call it a, a leprechaun. Uh, you know, I remember there's an interview with Seamus, I think, when Seamus came in. And, and this is just as Finley was leaving. And Seamus said, we're not going to do any of that shit anymore. And I laughed and I went, let's see how long it takes for you to get that shit. And it didn't last yeah. very long because he obviously came in as a Celtic warrior. He has the whole sort of, you know, the 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 drums and stuff. Um, and now he's sort of like this... like. Gypsy version of an Irish person with the, the the sort of pork pie hat and the 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 brown coat and stuff. It's kind of like a snatch, like the Garrity movie snatch version of like an Irish person. He's got the bright red hair. It's it's always yeah. insulting. Like, they can't, even when Becky Lynch came into WWE in NXT, oh, yeah, yeah. they gave her that fucking shit-eating uh, gimmick of Irish dancing down to the ring and she was dressed in yeah. green and the whole, you! And she's prancing about down to the ring and it's like, you just you can't help yourselves. You can't. If somebody is from a country, you can't help it. You're just like, let's just run with what is the easiest common denominator. Um, and so they've either got to be a, a, a drinker like Seamus has had in the past, you know, or they love to fight. Always oh, from Belfast, he loves to fight, and it's just, yeah, or not... they got
3: to have like some kind of brave heart off yeah. gimmick.
2: Oh, yeah, like D- Drew McIntyre and his sword, yeah. Angela, yeah, Angela's Angela uh, the sword. What a. To be do, you re- <laughs> do you
3: remember the Highlanders? They were around oh, this God, time, too. yeah.
2: I do indeed. Ro- Rory
3: McAllister and his brother, and they were always drunk and wearing kilts too. Yeah. they didn't last very long.
2: Yeah, or the, I mean you've got the Viking raiders as well, or, or yeah. Uh, what did they? Only they, the Viking only- experiences they oh, came yeah. in.
3: <laughs> they were supposed to be the
2: war raiders. Yes, but- war machine is what they were called before that, and oh, tremendous. Really? Okay. Tremendous they were, but. Alas, we don't get that. I so actually yes. I actually
3: think they're pretty cool, but as anyone in WWE, they're just irrelevant
2: now. Generic big guys as a tag team and Vince doesn't like tag teams, but I'm I'm going off topic, but it just always pisses Honestly, me off. Honestly, this
3: is much better conversation than talking about the Great Khali. Yeah, so. I mean <laughs> Jesus.
2: I mean short story here. I I I think I've got a paragraph here at most. Cole really tries to sell the Vince Loves Child story. Cali does a Magna Nerve Hold, which is where he holds Finlay's shoulder and then he grips his wrist and pushes. I'm not sure of the logistics of that as a submission move uh, or how much it would do any kind of damage, but it's been used in the past by useless wrestlers who can't wrestle, uh, and it seems to be a staple. So whoever's training these big useless fuckers it's just a staple move. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh with more holds, chops and slaps. Uh, I've got a note here just says Callie is slash was terrible. Hornswoggle clocks Kali in the cock with a shillelagh. Finley hits Kali with a shillelagh in the head and wins. Shite. Uh, I've got... <laughs> just want to read this here. Minus one stars. Then I've crossed that out and I've got minus two stars. Uh, I hate this. Six minutes and two seconds. <laughs> Vitriol. I hated this match. I thought it was shite. Overall, <sighs> presentation of the characters, presentation of the match, match length, everything to do with it, terrible. What did you think? <laughs> I felt so bad for Finley because he's a good
3: wrestler and he just, he could have exactly. been doing so much better. Why not have him face CM Punk for the ECW Championship? That would be a great match. <laughs>
2: Oh my God! Like that's that's got to be your answer for someone Let's have Kane versus CM Punk for the WWE Championship. Let's have <laughs> Finley. Maybe we could have had a triple threat match.
3: Yeah, I would rather have that. Can you imagine? Eliminate this match, eliminate that tag team match, and have a triple threat match: Punk, Kane, and Finley. Give them like twenty minutes. That'd be a good match, or at least better than <sighs> these two.
2: Yeah, this is uh, this is terrible. God.
3: A great colleague's the worst wrestler ever. And there was a sign in the crowd that said, get a beer match. And I was like, you damn right. I don't drink alcohol, but even I wanted to get up and get get a beer yeah this <laughs> is one of those matches
2: this. <laughs> this is one of those matches where uh like i don't smoke but it's one of those matches where i, I would need to like if if i did i'd need to go outside and have a smoke after this because it was just infuriating and i think that's where i left my first viewing of this pay-per-view i just turned it off after it and then i resumed it the next day or the day after i wrote down that there's a spot where uh the great colleague did a spinning kick Yes, I and saw that.
3: <laughs> it looks as bad as you'd imagine Greg Khalid doing his ping kick would be because that man can barely walk. He's not got great legs. It, 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 and he they, looks... had the, they had the balls to show a replay of that kick. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> we didn't need to see it once, let alone twice. Uh, the only positive about this match <laughs> is that the deserving man won. Yeah. That's oh. that's the only thing I got to say about that. It's I'm going to give it a 1 cuz it's still better than Jackie versus Disco cuz oh, that, that shit was oh. just way too long. Th- oh. This was at least half the time.
2: I uh, I gave this minus 2 for me this one. This and was <laughs> this is bollocks. <laughs> and
3: at the, at the end of this match JBL said very enthusiastically he said you'll see this match only on Smackdown and I wrote, "Well, at least I know which show not to watch Jesus. from now on." <laughs>
2: Like the the fact that these two lads are on Smackdown and Canes on ECW on Sci-Fi that just really says it all, doesn't it? Like there's no idea what they're doing.
3: Uh the great collie I I mean, no disrespect to Dalip Singh, I think that's his real name. Uh no disrespect to him, but he should be nowhere near anything athletic. No. Maybe arm wrestling, he yes. can do that. But anything where he has to move his legs at all cuz he's borderline disabled. Yeah. I'm disabled, and I could probably beat him in a foot race. It's... uh, Okay, let's move on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're just right. He he doesn't look too sure of his own legs. That's the the way I look at it. Um, He was great in The Longest Yard, the movie, the remake Mm -hmm. of the original movie, um, because they didn't really show him doing much, and that's the only way you can present this guy is with smoke and mirrors. You can't show him in bright lights because he looks ridiculous when he's walking and ridiculous when he's trying to move around the ring. So... Just another he, monster of the month, I guess.
3: Yeah, they do this thing during his entrance where they lower the camera down mm. to make him look super <clears> tall. <throat> but then his little manager's right next to him and he looks super tall too. So you can <laughs> clearly tell it's just like a camera positioning trick.
2: Yeah, they used to do it for Andre the Giant and anyone quite yeah. quite big, so it's to, to obviously give him a bit of stature. But, yeah. And he was super tall. He was impressive. Yeah, to look he out. was. And
0: then- there was none after beating Shawn michaels after beating triple h after the destruction of john cena and the total annihilation of every superstar in my path i've managed to do the impossible i have beaten all that there is to be and now it is time for the torch to be passed to me (laughs) i <laughs> Excite you, to delight you. It's 100% entertainment, 100% electricity, 100% Jericho. Tell us, oh Savior, what exactly are you saving us from? I'm here to save us from you. Because the first chance I get, I'm going to take that WWE Championship from you. What is this? Chris Jericho! Distracted Orton! Oh! The didn't see it! Chris Jericho has made yet another challenge to the WWE Champion! You think that you got underneath my skin? The truth is I'm giving you a title shot because I know that I can beat you. The question you ask yourself is who's going to save you from the single worst beatdown of your life? Oh, yeah, the opportunistic! WWE Champion, making a physical, emphatic statement. I've been gone for two years, but I've been watching. You're the WWE Champion, but you're also cunning, remorseless, vicious, but so am I. Randy Orton trying to get the jump on Jericho. Hey, Jericho counters. He's got the wall to Jericho. Orton is tapping. Hit this to Sunday. At again, Orton versus Jericho, and there will be a new WWE champion. Y2J!
2: Uh, we get a replay of Randy Orton's recent tear through the roster as champion, and the reintroduction of Y2J, Chris Jericho, with the save underscore me gimmick, which I quite liked. Um, Jericho makes a statement, blindsiding Orton, voting Orton into letting him have a match for the WWE Championship, and that's pretty much how we got here. Uh, this is obviously, as I said before, two years after his prior stint, so he's coming back and straight into a championship match, so it did make him feel like a big deal again.
3: Yep. And they, they were getting thin on main eventers by
2: this point, so he felt like it was <coughs> a bigger deal than when he left. Yeah, I, d- I didn't know what happened to John Cena. I guess he must have been injured, uh, possibly at the time, but he was... Uh, strangely absent from this show because seeing that it uh, was pretty much yeah, the John Cena sure. era. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Possibly an injury. So, Chris Jericho versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. Jericho's out I first... I hated the
3: spinner belt.
2: Oh, I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible decision to take the classic or at least the the sort of gold belt and just turn it into a gimmick it was not needed and I really miss the classic winged eagle belt that's my WWF I guess sort of favourite belt I just think it's iconic it looks great it stands out Um, and like you can pick it out from like the, you know, obviously you can pick out the silhouette of the WCW big gold belt, but like the winged eagle belt looks, I mean, they're both tremendous belts, so I can't, I can't say anything bad about the two of them, but you know, I didn't mind John Cena having the spinner belt because it fit his gimmick, but then when Mm.
3: he lost it to Edge, I was like, oh great, we're going to get the normal belt back, but then Edge just kept having the spinner belt. And then it just went from person to person with a spinner belt. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're really going to keep this for a while, aren't they? And they kept it for, like, seven years, I want to say. Yeah, far too long. 2005 to 2013, I think. So, oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, and uh, Miz had it, and he would famously turn the the W upside down. So it was M for Miz. uh, Yeah. As part of his, one of his many forgettable runs as WWE champion. Yep. So we get Chris Diarco out first with his uh, John Bon Jovi look. So he's got the short hair, long, long tights. Uh, and we get Randy the uh, out with his Hey, Nothing You Can Say I, music. I forgot about that song, but that's a good song. I, I prefer it to his uh, I hear voices uh, nonsense, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, do you prefer the original then to the, the voices? Um, I like them both. I think I'm, I'm so
3: used to voices that I just grown to like it it, because that basically is Randy Orton but I did like the hey song but I do think hey fits more of a face Randy Orton because it's all like upbeat and happy kind of uh it doesn't really fit the heel gimmick so maybe Mm. maybe when he's a face he should use the hey song and when he's a heel he could do the voices yeah
2: okay that makes sense and uh, this is a slow start to this match. There's collar, collar and elbow tie ups, arm drag takedown. This is a reverse suplex onto the ropes by Jericho and Jericho works over the ribs with kicks. Randy rolls out of the way of a springboard drop kick but eats a crossbody off of the top rope to the outside by Chris. Randy hits a textbook drop kick in the ring, as he liked to do. He's got a great drop kick, I'll give him that. Randy yep. uh <laughs> Randy then hits his textbook headlock. To slow the match down. Way down. Uh, Jericho fights back with shoulder tackles. And a second rope drop kick. Randy shortens the run with a snap scoop slam. Which is great looking. Uh, There's a superplex by Orton. Jericho fights back with uh, a running Enziguri. And a bulldog. uh, And then a lion salt is blocked by knees by Orton. Uh, The RKO is countered. And Y2J hits the lion salt. Jericho gets sent into JBL on the outside. Who stares at him. Foreshadowing, uh, scary flying back elbow by Y2J to Randy. Did you see this thing in the middle of the ring? So he comes off of the second turnbuckle and almost like dives onto his face.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not good. Scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, scary. Uh, there's a code. The code breakers blocked sending Y2J into a post. Jericho avoids a punt, rolls up Brandy into the walls. The crowd goes absolutely mental at the finish of this. And then, wouldn't you know, JBL runs in and boots him in the face. A-boo! And everyone boos this match out in the building. Including me. Including me, too. I was raging. Uh, rko to Jericho afterwards to cement the loss. I gave this two stars. I thought... It was completely ruined by the finish. Uh, it was fifteen minutes, so I'd waited fifteen minutes to see nothing happen. Uh, I was really disappointed by it. What did you think? So during this match, Jericho
3: he always did this, but in this match especially, he did a lot of a, a lot of the "Come on, baby," uh, his little taunt. Yes. <laughs> and here's my theory: Adam Cole and Britt Baker, which we already mentioned. They were at the show. They were on a date. And this is where Adam Cole got his baby
2: from. Oh, he definitely from has. He's, I think he's commented on it in the past. And and he, he does, oh, really? Did he really yeah, do Yeah, he got it from Chris Jericho, the baby. Oh, uh, yeah. The I didn't know that. I was just making yeah. stuff up, but it makes sense. I don't know if they um, necessarily got it from this show together on a date. I think yeah, that's <laughs> that's an amazing story, but I don't think it's true. It's just
3: a hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Oh uh, Yeah, but uh, as soon as I saw JBL staring at Jericho, I was just horrified because I knew <laughs> that they're focusing on this for a specific reason. And I'm like, he's going to get involved, isn't he? And sure enough, the crowd was really getting into this match towards the end, including myself. I was getting excited. And as soon as I got excited, JBL comes in. And this was going to be three and a half stars for me. But as soon as JBL came in it dropped it down to... Almost one and a half, I want to say, but I'm going to stick with the two because it was building up to a, a pretty good match. But once again, this booking is just awful. This is like Rey Mysterio and MVP, but way worse. Mm. Like this is the WWE Championship, the most important championship in your company with with the comeback of Jericho. But once again, they don't want to take the belt off Randy Orton and they don't want the newly returned Chris Jericho to lose. Oh man, I want to strangle Vince sometimes, <laughs> like all the time. Actually,
2: <laughs> yeah, fully agreed. It's uh, it is disheartening. That's why I said at the start, the show feels like a Raw or a SmackDown because you don't change your championships on a Raw or SmackDown. You build up to a pay per view. Just fans yeah, like that.
3: Keep in mind, back then you paid fifty dollars every month for these pay per views. There was no networks. Mm-hmm. There was no subscriptions. It's fifty dollars. Yeah, I would be pulling my hair out. I'd be so angry if I paid
2: fifty dollars for this. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. These throwaway pay per views don't do anything for anyone, um, and they still don't to this day. So None of them do except Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> well, that's it. Yes, it's the that's bigger. the new WrestleMania. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, We get that great advert for the Royal Rumble again immediately after the match and then Lillian Garcia is in the middle of the ring and she's about to introduce our next match but she gets interrupted by Jillian Hall
1: The bowling contest is scheduled for one fall and it is for the WWE Women's Championship Hold up Lillian, hold up just a minute Just a minute, it's that time of year again. So I am here to spread some of my Christmas cheer.
3: Uh Uh-oh, Christmas cheer. If you didn't
1: know, my album, A Jingle with Jillian, available exclusively on iTunes, is blowing up.
2: Blowing up. You
1: know, I'm not really one to brag, After but it's kind of like one of the hottest downloads in the entire world right now.
0: Jingle with Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, well, hold on. The the reviews they're phenomenal, but uh, just just to show you, one guy, shy guy, like 3855 said. Move over, Celine, Mariah, Christina. There is a new diva in town, and he was talking about me. And I must say, he was so right. So as my holiday gift to all of you, I am going to sing one of my favorite songs off the album right now. Oh, oh, oh my God, God. That's, that's, that's pretty
0: bad. I've heard a reindeer pass gas with more harmony. Oh, she said that jingling with Jillian on iTunes is blowing up. I wish a microphone would blow up. <laughs> Guys, I can't listen to Jillian anymore, because that's it. Oh. 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 I, can't, I can't listen to her for medical reasons. I've actually just broke my glasses. She's making me sick. Oh. God. oh, I think Jillian should be praying to E.C.
2: Uh, I just have a note here. It says, "WTF is this cretin?" Uh, she's apparently a singer, but has a voice like a bag of cats. Uh, she sings. She sings a song. I have no no memory of this character whatsoever, but uh, it's horrific. Uh, I've ma- seen like clips of it before of, her,
3: of that character. She's basically like a parody of the pop stars of that time of are like one hit wonders, and she was basically pretending to be a really good singer. And I do think this is better than her gimmick of having a giant mole on her face? Do you remember that? No. Oh, she when she debuted, she had she was supposed to be like this really attractive woman, but she had this just the ugliest like like raw burger on her face. And guess what happened to it? The boogeyman bit it off.
2: Oh Jesus. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say she lost it in a <laughs> and, match. Oh <laughs> yeah it was on a pole it was a mole on a pole
3: <laughs> yeah you should look it up though it was hideous i don't know what they were thinking with that but
2: wow i mean yeah dude this is the same company that gave natalia a farting gimmick so i mean like this is this is par for the course <laughs> right we're gonna have to splice that in now, i do think
3: yeah uh I gotta say though, as stupid and annoying as this was, I did—I was amused by it. Yeah. For a couple of minutes, I, I, I kind of <laughs> chuckled. Uh, I don't know if I want to see another segment like this, but that one for the one time it was—it was okay.
2: <laughs> so we get the finally we get the introduction of our next match, which is, which is Mickey James versus Beth Phoenix for the WWE Women's Championship, with Beth being the champion. Uh, this is another easy tale to tell: strength versus speed, with Beth, Beth Phoenix being the glamazon as she was at the time. Uh, Mickey tries a head scissors, but Beth par bombs her. Beth catches Mickey in a weird chicken wing crouch thing in a bobber. Um, it's really strange, but uh, kind of unique though. Uh, there's yep. a hurricane runner finally by James and takes the lead with a short drop kicks and thez presses. But Beth finishes her with a fisherman suplex out of nowhere. The crowd was dead. Two stars for for the women. They tried really, really hard, but got no time whatsoever. They got four minutes and forty five seconds. This was very slow, boring,
3: and anticlimactic because that wasn't even Beth's finisher. Her finisher was like I don't even know where she like hooks your arms and like lifts you up <laughs> then drops you on your the glam slam face. Yeah. yeah. So this was just out of nowhere. It just felt very filler. Uh, i give this one and a half.
2: I think it's fair enough, yeah. I mean, women's wrestling just wasn't quite there yet, even though uh, no. they'd made some strides. They were still using the Diva name, uh, and then obviously yeah. we would get the Diva Championship would replace the Women's Championship. <sighs> Let me dire.
0: Four months ago, tragedy struck when I sustained an injury, and I was forced to relinquish the World Heavyweight Championship. I was actually contemplating retiring. And then about two months ago, I did get a phone call from someone who changed my career, the general manager of SmackDown, the love of my life, Vicky Guerrero. I just wanted to thank you.
1: Welcome, baby.
0: We both agreed that I needed to make a statement when I made my return. and With Vicky's help, I made a statement. We're gonna crown a new champion! What the, the hell? hell? Edge! It's Edge! I knew if I could eliminate The Undertaker, I knew I could beat Batista. Edge has screwed The Undertaker again! And Undertaker, how did you react to that? Did you come after me? No! You attacked a defenseless woman! Little bitchy. Tonight, I dedicate my match to you, baby. Tonight, I will be your World Heavyweight Champion. What you did tonight—it was unbelievable.
1: This, this was, was such, such a great, great match, match to, to see, see, and you never interrupted it. Undertaker. I'm gonna punish you. That's, That's right. right. I'm gonna give you a world title match. match.
0: So at Armageddon, it is going to be Edge versus Batista versus The Undertaker. gentlemen, please welcome back Vicky Guerrero
1: To be honest, I'm not doing very well I am mentally scarred I returned to Smackdown to fulfill my duties on my show. my show What you're
0: witnessing is the product of four months of careful planning and plotting and preparation Despair! spear! Where the hell did he come from? I told you today how much I love you.
1: I love you more.
0: And that smile symbolizing what Ed set out to do here tonight, to weaken his opponents. What you're witnessing is the product of four months of careful planning and plotting and preparation. And the culmination of this plan is when I become the new world heavyweight champion. Four months of careful planning Up, and I become the new. World heavyweight
2: we get a video package for our next match for the World Heavyweight Championship between Edge, Taker and Batista for Batista's title. The, bas- the, the backstory is Edge leading Vicky on to get a title shot after returning from injury. Uh, he surprises, uh, I believe, The Undertaker as a cameraman in the previous pay-per-view, or Batista, and clocks him in the head. That sort of interjects him in between this feud between Batista and Undertaker, and then uh, Teddy Long books a match where it's basically Taker versus Edge versus Batista for the championship in a triple threat match. Because obviously, I was kind of surprised it wasn't a tag team match, knowing Ted- Teddy Long he had a bit of a <laughs> bit of a fancy for them. But um,
3: oh yeah, it's kind of hard to make a tag
2: team match for the world title. But. Stranger Things. Have WCW happened. has done it. Yeah, they have indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, uh, Eric Bischoff and uh, David Arquette and uh, DDP and I forget the the, the fourth man, but uh, yeah. It was Jarrett. Tri- it. it was, that's right. And uh, yeah. uh, David Arquette ends up winning it. There you go. Maybe we'll cover that one day. Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> so but, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Vicky, Vicky but... Guerrero ended up being tombstoned by the Undertaker from this, uh, which I thought was great. And then Teddy Long came out and did a bit of an announcement to say that uh, he's going to be in a match with them all. But out first, which I thought was weird. Followed by Edge and then yeah, that the Undertaker. Yeah, because he's the champion. He should come out last. Yeah. Uh, Taker's entrance equals three minutes. I've written here. Uh, there was, and then after that, I've written. 15 minutes left on the clock of the pay-per-view so I was like okay so these matches do all have like a rough same sort of amount of time limit uh, there's a great spot where Batista throws Taker over the top and Taker immediately grabs Edge in like a choke um, which I thought was just super smooth because he rolls over the top rope uh, The usual fare in this match one man in while the other one fights, in the, fights the other guy on the inside Edge hits a low blow to Batista at one stage, uh, in f- right in front of the referee, but there's no prior mention of this being a no-DQ match. Did I miss something? I think you did. They did mention that since it's a triple threat, it's no-DQ. I don't know that's ever been a rule, though. I thought a triple threat match, you can't have DQs in it, but maybe it makes sense, I guess?
3: Maybe. Well, I'm not really sure what the standard is, but I did catch that they did mention this in this match because later on, I do have a note about the finish of this match.
2: Okay. Batista gets caught in Hell's Gate, which I don't think it had a name for For it at this stage, so it's still called just a triangle choke. Uh, mm-hmm. The bell rings as if Taker has won, but it's Edge. Edge is ringing the, the ring bell on the outside, which I quite like. I thought
3: uh, this was another bullshit finish. I was about to <laughs> just turn this off and cancel this whole
2: episode <laughs> <laughs> and I really loved Edge's sort of expression and then he, he sort of ducks before Taker can see him and he crawls around the ringside uh, while a confused Undertaker consults the referee and the referee's is like I didn't call for the bell and Taker's like did you do it and the ref's like no I didn't do it And uh, Edge comes into the ring and then spears Undertaker as he turns around and then uh, one to Big Dave he sets Batista up for a concerto but Dave hits him with a boot Undertaker clotheslines Edge out and then delivers Superplex to Batista. Uh, moments later then we get an Old School by Taker which gets blocked and reversed into a Spinebuster by Big Dave. Edge spared uh, by Dave then as he comes back in the ring. Uh, I do have a note here, while uh, Batista gets slam, we see now that there's two Edges and then a third one is thrown out of the ring. So there's a bit of a multiplication man going on here. Um... Batista gets tombstoned, but the real Edge clocks him with a chair. After a second shot to take her, uh, Edge pins Batista for his fourth championship uh, win, and then everything becomes clear as on the way out, the two extras, the Edgeheads, Brian Myers and Matt Cardona, scuttle up the entrance. Uh, I give this three and a half stars. Uh, not a great start, it was very slow, but overall quite entertaining, and it was 13 minutes long, so slightly shorter than a lot of the other matches on the card.
3: Yet another underwhelming match. <laughs> on paper, again, this looks like a really good match. This is something that I would book in like universe mode or something. Uh yes. but it I think they kinda rushed it, maybe. I don't know. It was just weird. Uh I can never get over how terrible edges' spears are. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> so, especially when Batista does a much better one in the same match. Yeah. Uh there was a spot where Undertaker was gonna go for the old school unless he jumps on him. It gets reversed into a Spinebuster, which I thought was really cool. Yes. And then my question is, if it's a no-DQ match, then why don't Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder just help Edge the entire time? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I guess you could ask that about any no-DQ match. Uh, the finish was weird. Again, this felt like a SmackDown main event, not a pay-per-view main event. So I gave this a 3.
2: Yes. Yeah, it was... Um... It wasn't particularly great. It was fun seeing a young Kurt Hoggins and a young Zack Ryder before they became the uh, you know their individual personas. And Kurt Hoggins yeah. would go on his losing streak for like a year and a half. Um, but glad to see those two guys who are doing really really well now, not in WWE. So at last, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Overall, the pay per view was not great. It was a bit of a chore to get through. The Ken Kennedy Shawn Michaels match was entertaining. Um, but yeah overall what did you you think and uh, maybe we'll get into our sort of awards not
3: terrible but not great (laughs) this is like painfully average show I get the show 5 out of 10 so it's a step up from Halloween Havoc and uh, that ECW show we did Uh, is there a tag team division at this point are there tag team champions like where are they at what's going on there they should have two sets of tag team champions
2: but Not a clue. I mean, they had a tag uh, team match with Big V and Mark Henry and Kane and CM Punk, but it was sort of like, let's put all of these men together. We have no idea what to do with them. That'll do. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And I would have just like
3: rebooked like half this card. But yeah, 5 out of 10. And what's your?
2: Do you have a score for the show? I'll give it a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Average the mill show just feels like a normal Raw or SmackDown for this era. Yeah. So next,
3: this is my idea, which I've talked to Dave about before we started recording and we are going to introduce an award show after every episode and this is just going to be like a quick trial off the top of our head in future episodes <laughs> we're going to be more elaborate and more prepared for it uh, but let's start with ranking the stage what do you think of the stage and how where would you rank it compared to the previous reviews that we
2: did oh god now i have to go back and think in my mind of previous shows um, uh,
3: we did Survivor Series 2002 which was no a Madison stage. Square Garden. it had yeah, no, no stage, stage whatsoever
2: yeah. um, <laughs> but you know what I think the entire building was a stage in a way so I preferred the look of Madison Square Garden compared oh, to okay. this so, I mean if I had to rate them I'd say I'd give Madison Square Garden with the iconic entrance with the big double doors and stuff I'd probably mm-hmm. give that an 8 out of 10 because i really like that and i like the pyro is like in the middle of the crowd almost killing everyone okay. um so i'd give that an 8 and i'd probably give this a 7 maybe a 6
1: cuz it okay. looked cool
2: but it wasn't as it wasn't as impactful or like it didn't seem as like i don't know like Madison Square Garden seems so buzzing with activity and like excitement so where does
3: where do these two rank with Halloween Havoc 97 oh god, with the
2: with the polystyrene tombstones and all, like, yeah. uh, that's gotta be a 9 for me. That's a 9. That's that's an easy 9. I agree. So, from all the ones that we've done so far,
3: I think that Halloween Havoc is probably ranks number 1. It's the best yes. page. Yes. And then number 2, I personally think Armageddon was better, because okay. it's more creative than the Madison Square Garden, but we can compromise and call it a tie for now. Survivor yes. Series and Armageddon are... Two and three. That's fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how these ranks go next week or next show, I should say, when we do the next review. So, match of the night. You've already mentioned this, but what was your match of the night?
2: Ken Kennedy, Shawn Michaels. Easy for okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so,
3: for me, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> I'm probably going to go with the triple threat match, even though okay. it's not great. <laughs> but, yeah, the World Heavyweight Championship triple threat matches probably my match of the night and who would you say is the MVP of the night
2: oh flip that's a tough one Um, I can't give it to Edge because I've always disliked Edge's wacky facials Um, (laughs) I don't want to give him (laughs) any points for his facials Uh, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it to Sam Punk (laughs) because he got squashed squashed (laughs) <laughs> he's the MVP for taking a he takes a Simone drop from Big Daddy V so I'm going to give it for being a good sport uh, although I believe he would probably bring this up at back in his in his uh, many sort of tales sense as being a horrendous match to be in but uh, yeah CM Punk why not
3: <laughs> okay, in a similar sense I'll give the MVP spot to Finley because that man he he <laughs> did the Lord's work that, that night <laughs> he did yes <laughs> trying um, to make the Grey Kali look like a like a normal human being is <laughs> <It's> a tough task.
2: <laughs> I know, a competent human being, should we say. <laughs> yeah, and he won. So unlike yeah, Punk,
3: did. Finley actually
2: won. He did, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I'm going to change my uh, Fit Finley. I'm going to go for Belfast boy, Fit Finley, myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the country man.
3: Yes. Uh, so the spot of the night, what do you think was the s- most exciting spot of the night?
2: Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go for the Ken Kennedy, Shawn Michaels finish. I think it was definitely like just out of nowhere, the selling by Ken Kennedy with the punch, selling the hand, and then just the snappy kick to the face was brilliant for me. Exactly what I was thinking. That super kick was...
3: Although, that Samoan drop, though, it, oh, it's kind it of was talking good. to me.
2: It was, <laughs> it was good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed... Like It was the only high point of that match... Uh, it was the only notable thing in that entire match was seeing Big Daddy V flatten CM Punk with a really impressive Samoan drop, and it was buttery smooth. But uh, no, I'm still going to go for the this, this sweet in music.
3: Okay, yeah, that's all right. I, I, I'm going to go with that also. Um, so then, the best comedic moment, Fuck. which didn't really have very many comedic moments in this
2: show. Vicky Guerrero for me. Vicky? Vicky Guerrero with the audible gasp. As as Edge tells her how much he loves her. I love it. You know that. what's...
3: The, the, the funniest moments in the show is when I basically had to entertain myself and make fun of certain things. It wasn't the actual show being funny. It was just me trying to make up funny things about it. So... I, I don't really know. I don't know what to choose. I'm going to probably go with Vicky Guerrero as well because that's the closest thing to anything even being funny on the show <laughs> so I'll, I'll go with the that singer. you've got
2: Gillian well. Jill- Hall as well you can have her and her cat yeah. voice
3: yeah they were trying too hard Okay, with that I'll go with Vicky awesome <laughs> okay so we got a couple more categories as uh, best entrance of the night Oof.
2: Um, I won't give it to Undertaker it's too long um, I have a rule if an entrance takes over three minutes, or at least three minutes, it's a new rule. I've just introduced it, but that was far too long. It's a good I, one. I don't like the new or the the Undertaker of this era. My under, my Undertaker is the nineteen ninety two uh, Undertaker, the Zombie Taker. I call him, uh, or you can have American Badass Undertaker too, because I like him too. Um, I'm gonna go for. Oh boy. There's a lot of bollocks on this, this show. A lot of generic entrances. I will go for... Well, what are you thinking? I got one, so
3: I'll say mine. Go for it. Maybe I'll I'm decide go to with go Chris for yours. Jericho. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Jericho because he got a lot of pyro. I'm always a fan of pyro. And, you know, this was like his comeback to pay-per-view, so uh-huh. it wasn't anything special, but it's probably the, one of the better entrances
2: on this show. Okay, I will go for Chris Jericho, too. That was easy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of the entrances are just entrances. There's nothing particularly over the top of them, but I guess with Jericho returning and this being a big... And the pop was huge as he came out. So, yeah, I think you're right on that one.
3: This this next one applies really well to this show. Bullshit of the night.
2: Fuck, where do you start? Uh, (laughs) Fuck. Hornswoggle, Cali, that, I, I think... Uh I I'm think gonna I go ranted about it enough so I'm gonna say that. <laughs> uh,
3: JBL. Oh that was like that was the worst moment of the show for me.
2: Hated it. I think Bullshit, yeah. Of the night. I, I it's a tie. I'd i i gladly take either. It's just I think there was just I mean you could go with the Ray bollocks at the start, you could go for the JBL bollocks at near the end, and you could go for the Great Cali and Hornswoggle being a thing. Um What had the most impact? Probably JBL. You're probably right. It was absolute horrendous. It was just r- completely ruined the match.
3: John Bullshit Way- Layfield. I almost said Wakefield, <laughs> which is my last name. Um, and the last category, get them off my screen award. Who gets that? Kali. For me, it's the
2: great Kali. Get that man <laughs> off my screen. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes. And they and eventually listened.
3: Our- that's our award show we're gonna be a lot more like prepared for it next time we're gonna have actual nominees and everything we won't be sitting here thinking about it because we'll be prepared so hopefully that was enjoyable and we'll do better next time and yeah
2: closing statements closing statements um uh, don't book a foreigner like they're a terrorist um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's it if you're a wrestling company don't do it it's just stupid um and it's never a good idea booking two giant three giant men and then having a smaller tag partner it just looks daft um and yes uh Vince McMahon is a terrible booker
3: <laughs> that's my closing I agree statements on
2: all of those I agree on everything uh well our next uh match our next pay-per-view is going to be turning point 2007 we're going to uh, flip the script a little bit and we're going to go back to our sort of uh, our, our honorable mention that we got out of the the twitter poll and um, the last time uh, so as we don't disappoint anyone yeah 50 50
3: book <laughs> but i'm sure people will be happy with this because if you voted for turning point and you're disappointed that you're not getting it well you're getting it now merry so just Christmas. a little bit later yeah
2: yeah so that will be uh, in two weeks' time, just after Christmas, we'll be doing that one. Uh, and then we will take it from there into the new year. So uh, it's a goodbye from me, and you can follow me at Lostro on Twitter. You can follow us both at WrestleBlast. And what about yourself, Andre? Uh,
3: it's a goodbye from me, too. Uh, don't follow me. Follow Blast Podcast. And that's it. <laughs> all <right. laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Goodbye. That's the bottom line, because <laughs> Andre said so. <laughs>
2: Wow, okay, there we go.